1: to Justin improvises I'm on my iPhone in the sleeper of my truck my son is driving we're, we're in high desert Southern California and I've got Brandon McCulloch and Shelby Luke from Kurzville Texas in a conference call on the other side good evening Bill good evening Bill and I talk to Shelby every now and then because Shelby as I judge it, is a man with an empathetic heart you maybe you've heard his testimony uh, in on on uh, Reconstructionist Radio on our Once Dead podcast, uh, and so if you have, you know that it was not always that way. Shelby was a real hellion before the Holy Spirit ran him to ground
0: and uh, brought him to bay. Is that right, Shelby? Oh, that's that's so true, Bill. Uh, I tell you, I I can't go a day without thanking my Lord for what He's done in my life. I mean, it's uh, truly amazing. You know, He He threw. Uh those very trying times, and uh, I'm a very hard headed stubborn strong willed person to begin with, as you might know, because you're in my path, right you know we we might have those traits, but God can use hard headed strong willed and stubborn individuals for his purpose and so i'm I'm very thankful that um that he has not only saved me but by his grace he has stopped. Uh, like 10 generations of divorce, my wife and I, Nancy, is the love of my life, we've been married 46 years. Without her, I'm telling you, she's probably the other second part that's kept me, besides the Holy Spirit, that's kept me on that narrow path. And uh, from time to time, I get a tongue, good tongue tongue I and it's probably because I need it.
1: Cool. Brandon, why don't you explain to our listeners... Uh, how Shel what Shelby is doing at your house and, and how he is giving new meaning to the phrase build one another up. <laughs> sure. <laughs>
2: um my wife and I have uh basically acquired my the house I grew up in when I was a kid. We've got about five acres out here in Kerrville, Texas and um there was a section of a house that was formerly a garage and a uh, storage room and such and uh, we decided to put it to good use and um turn it into an apartment so they could generate some income for our family. And so this all kind of materialized pretty quickly, and it was actually the last time that, um, that Shelby and Nancy were down visiting, and so we started a conversation about them stepping in and doing some, some contract work for us because I don't have expertise in plumbing and electricity and and all the other things that's going to require to make this thing work. And so um, Shelby was really gracious with us because, you know, we, we sit down down the line fifteen or twenty changes as the thing was going through, uh, and while he was trying to get the uh the quote together and um, he uh he he's worked with us and and taught us some things and so we he's he's really moved in with us for basically a month, uh starting a couple of days ago to help us get this project up and running so that we can actually, you know, generate more income for our families so we can do more for the kingdom over here in Curvo.
1: Well, I'm jealous. I'm jealous in two different ways. Number one, I'm jealous that you've got Shelby and Nancy there for a month, and I'm also jealous that you have a house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: isn't the truth. I, I, I'm,
1: yeah, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm known as an itinerant professional. Anyway, uh, well, I tell you what, we've got some talented guys in the Reconstructionist family. Uh, Scott Herndon. I don't know if you've seen some of Scott Herndon's work or uh or, or Jason Sanchez. I tell you what, we got some talented brothers, and we do. Shelby. Of course, Shelby can. Shelby's not afraid to tackle anything,
0: whether he knows how to do it or not. <laughs> well, that's true. Uh, you know, that's one of the, the concepts that I've tried to do and, and still trying to teach my grandchildren. I had two daughters, but uh, I've got nine grandchildren, and, and these boys, uh, I never had boys. So it's actually become a challenge to me uh, to be able to try to pass on the various skills. And, and believe me, if there's anyone that can try me any better than my grandsons, I don't know who it would be. You know, because uh, they're, again, you know, not having the boys, and uh, it's, it's teaching me patience uh, even more than what I may have.
1: Press on while we've got a signal out here in the high desert. And uh, I'm obviously, now I'm not an elder. I'm, I don't hold any office in any particular congregation. I'm, but I'd like to think that I have a, a grasp on certain principles of, of warfare. What I've got here is a few thoughts that, sort of the distilled product of our conversation today over the phone as we were talking about some of the body-life issues that confront all Christians, but particularly us as Christian Reconstructionists to the extent that we're interacting with people on Facebook and by phone and in person and at various different rallies, whether it be having to do with abolishing abortion or the discussions regarding the nature and function of the so-called church, the ecclesia. What I thought I might do, and I want to just read one and then throw it out for Brandon and Shelby to kind of kick it around like a soccer ball for a few minutes, and then we can move on to the next one and perhaps spark some ongoing discussion in our Facebook group. So the first one, I called this tactical tidbit. From the war room. And the first one is building off of Derek Evans' fine message on setting the record straight this last Lord's Day. So tactical topic tidbits from the war room. Even when we have all attained full maturity in Christ, we will not be clones of one another. The idea is not to transform hands into feet, our feet into kidneys. The intent is to have the entire body committed to a common cause and moving together toward that cause. gentlemen
0: well yes uh, I'm a, since uh, we talked about it and since it's fresh on my mind and maybe it'll it'll catapult uh, into some more conversations you said as we were hanging up this this afternoon um, I agree wholeheartedly, that the full scope of the body, I mean, the analogy is Christ is given in his word so many times, and it's got to be there for a purpose, and it is a unified purpose to all of those of his, and I know there's been a lot of talk concerning the local body versus the universal church, and one of the things that uh, I might speak about the negative first that has created more uh, division in the church, and this is something I've thought about for years, is simply that whenever we get into this body, and we know that there are many parts, as we can well see, and, of course, my wife and I, we might say that we're the butt, okay? And so a lot of people may or may not like that. It might be the part of the body that, is always seems to be against or asking questions or doing other things that are always sort of antagonistic. But that's maybe not the part of the body that you are. Let's say you might be the elbow, you know. But here again, I think what's happened over time, especially in the church, is that instead of trying to figure out how the fingers and the hand works together with the wrist and the arm and the elbow, then we all tend to say, okay, well, I'm I'm fed up with trying because they don't understand my position. Well, that position is only as important as that part of the body. That doesn't mean it's any less important than any other part of the body. It just simply means it's got a different function than another part of the body. But what has happened over time is that instead of trying to work together, because it takes work, it takes prayer, it takes, uh, time to to go before the Lord and ask the Lord and, and say, okay, Lord, what do I need to do to correct me? Every day I look in the mirror. What do I need to do? Yeah. To another do? thing is
1: another, another thing that occurred to me, Shelby. And I'm not just not to steal your thunder uh, or no. interrupt you, uh, but is that can you imagine an elbow trying to tell a hand how to be a hand, how to do the <laughs> hand's job? Isn't you know, that the truth? It, it, we all have bodies and, uh, you know, I, I can't tell you what a lot of the parts of my body even do. And I can't tell you how they do it. One section of the body is really not in a position or not qualified
2: to tell another part of the body how they should be performing. Well, well if you- I can maybe offer just a little bit here because, I mean, when, I don't know, my journey in this area was, was actually just a little bit different because Bill, you know, I have talked at least a little bit about, you know, where I was with the with the AHA stuff versus the babies murdered here, and 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 where I was floating with all that stuff. And I'm not even sure if you saw the post that I put up a few days, about a week ago, on Facebook, talking about that transition. Part of what Grant's just saying is true, is that. But I think social media has kind of hurt us a little bit because once you see one part of the body doing something in a manner that may not fit. What you actually are, you're trying to basically take your elbow and stick it into a glove. No, I just think to kind of piggyback off of what he said, what Gramps was talking about is that, you know, we tend to try to be like other body parts we were never called to be like. And this is what I was talking about, at least in part, in my post that I made in the abolitionist or abolitionist, abolitionism, uh, Page on Facebook, because um, before I transitioned to, and I actually transitioned to, another, before I repented and, uh, and saw the error of my ways, um, what I, what I, you know, tongue-in-cheek called the AHA way was, you know, unless you're doing it our way, unless you're, you're performing it just like we are, then you're not doing it right. Basically, you know, you have to do abolitionism the way we do it, and if you don't, you know, we're going to come and uh, pick you through church. Now, I've, I've seen that that's not the case, but that's the way I believed it. And I think that social media has hurt us and that we see a lot of different people like Cy or Jeff Durbin or Bo, and we really want to emulate ourselves after these, these people who we see doing these great things uh, in the name of God, when in fact, you know, my job may be markedly different than what they're doing. Oh, absolutely,
0: right. and, uh, you know, what he's saying as well is that, you know, if, you, if you've been called by God to be a hand, that's what you need to do, you know. You can be a very
1: talented hand. Point being that God is sovereign, and, he's, and he sovereignly put us in the body where he wants us, and he knows yes. uh, what he's equipped us to do best. And it's not that we shouldn't aspire to be better than we are. We don't, you know, we don't need to criticize other body parts because they don't function the way we do. That doesn't uh, negate the fact, however, that the body needs to be committed to a common cause and needs to move together. I mean, you know, it's, it's obviously this is an analogy, and we can only take it so far. It's the same as parables. Even when we have become as Christ-like as we are going to become this side of eternity, we are still not going to be the, a carbon copy of one another. We're still going Christ. to. We're still going to reflect God's amazing diversity and creativity, and and His wisdom in keeping balance by everybody not being the same. I think I think uh, Shelby, you brought up the analogy. I thought it was golden. Well, it was a church full of hands, and, and and Paul uses this language in Scripture. If we were all hands, what would the what would the body look like? I mean, it would be it would be a monstrosity, and it would exactly. be and, and it would be ineffective. Piggybacking on that thought, I had the thought of, you know, the other analogy that's common in scripture, uh, not, it's not just the, the body, but also us as the military analogy, you know, with weapons and, uh, and also the, the athletic analogy. But in an army, scouts are not infantrymen and artillerymen are not tasked with distributing bullets and blankets. Thus, we will not all utilize the same weapons or tactics. Nevertheless, all must care for the wounded in our midst, regardless of our normal assignments. So it doesn't matter whether you're in the infantry, or you're in the, uh, in the supply corps, or you're in the aviation, or you're in the Navy, or you're whatever, whatever particular branch or, or, or unit you're in, uh, and you're specific, you might be at Signal Corps or your over communications. Nevertheless, if you take wounded, you stop and you take care of your wounded until, uh, now there are, there are professional, obviously there's a medic Corps. There's a, we have to uh, perform basic first aid on our own. So if we as followers of Jesus Christ are to be an army of God worthy of his name, then leaving our weak and wounded behind are worse ing them is not an option for of these Christ says, I shall not lose any and it's, you know, we've all heard we've all heard the saying that 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 Christianity is the only army that shoots its wounded. We don't shoot the stragglers either and and, and that gets back to the issue of God's sovereignty over illumination. We're not all at the same place, and just because you've read the same books. Are listening to the same podcast doesn't mean that you're going to agree lockstep with everyone else. And just because someone's not, we judge it's not coming along as quickly as we might like. I mean, we're I Second I, I, Timothy chapter two twenty four mm-hmm. through twenty twenty six, and we often think of that as a verse that pertains to our dealing with unbelievers. Right. But I, but I think it also is pertinent. I think it's also relevant for how we relate to one another within the body of Christ, that the Lord's servant should not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, and, and repentance doesn't necessarily mean at that point turning away from sin, but it does mean a change of direction, a change of perspective, a change mm-hmm. of... You know, I've, I've often heard, I've often joked that, I learned this from sales, that people don't really ever change their mind. They just make new decisions based on updated information. But, <laughs> but the point is, is that uh, God is the one who is sovereign over elimination. Not even the really brilliant scholarly among us have anything we did not receive. Uh, it's all a gift from God. And therefore, there's no room for us to vaunt what we know are lorded over others just because they don't quite get it.
2: We may well, have
1: to...
2: Go ahead. Well, scripture tells us that we're to bear with the Uyghur brother. And I don't know that we do that all that well. I think what you said, you know, encapsulated it perfectly, is that we tend to, you know, do a mercy killing in our eyes of those that aren't keeping up with us scripturally, or with us with doctrinally, or whatever it is that happens to be, and we, it's like you know you either keep up or 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 cut bait, and it's 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 a sad state of affairs in in, in our most of our camps, and unfortunately we see it most prevalent in the reconstruction camp and in your reform camps. To to go
0: along with that, uh, I believe we find a good example. Uh, given by Christ himself over in Mark in chapter uh, 9. It starts about verse 33. And it said, And he came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them, What was it that you disputed among yourselves by the way? Well, then their answer was, But they held their peace, for by the way they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve and said unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. So I believe in you know in today's day when we have sanctioned what my wife and I call friendly fire. You know that's what breaks my heart, Bill. I mean we can just annihilate one another with the greatest weapon on the man, the tongue, and yet just continue on like nothing's ever happened. We'll go to the table will partake and never even think about what we may or may not have said to another brother or sister in Christ. And yet, if any of us have any kind of knowledge and if any of us want to be first, then we've got to, it's got to be more than just coming forth from the words from our lips. You know, we've got to show this by our actions as well. And these actions as being a servant to all of that, you know, sometimes we've got to be, patient, bearing the burdens of others while they're growing in grace, just like we have. And believe me, I haven't arrived. And so we, we see that all Scripture is given by God and is profitable for doctrine, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. But that does not mean that only one person has the perfect interpretation of the Word of God. matter of fact, I share with people all the time the Holy Spirit dwelling within each one of us. There, We can, each one of us, sit down and read this word and we may come across and they say, well, see there, there's nine out of ten different interpretations. And I tell them, no, there's not. There's only one interpretation. There's nine or ten, or it could be 9,000 or nine million applications to that word. And so the applications by which... You know we carry the word forth as we build his kingdom, as we go forth uh, teaching others and and being that in sample. you know that's what we forget. if we go back over to first Peter five, you know we're supposed to be in samples to one another, and I think we have 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 completely uh, I, I just don't think that we give it as much concern or care that needs to be. And believe me, I've been guilty over the years. I I used to beat people over the head with a, you know, instead of realizing, like Hebrews 4 says, it's sharp as a two-edged sword. And the Holy Spirit will do the cutting. We don't have to be doing the killing.
1: You know, repetition is one of the keys to learning. I'm reminded of uh, of two uh, two different discussions. One with uh, my friend Brian Abshire, wise man and, been in the battle, been in the fight a long time, but he said that one of the truest litmus tests or one of the truest indicators of the state of a man's heart and its relationship to the Savior is how he responds to correction. Yes. Or or when people disagree with him. You know, Proverbs 9, I've often said Proverbs 9, 8 says, reprove a wise man and he will love you. It doesn't say he will agree with you. And the other thing, and talking to a dear brother today who, who has, uh, who was talking to me about, uh, his concern, he took issue with some of the recent things that we've been discussing. We all like to lay claim to that motto of the Reformation, Ecclesia Reformata, semper reformunda. the church reformed is always fit to be reforming we all like to use the term uh, always reforming but it's always the other guy that needs to be reforming yes uh, we, we we can in this in the same way in the same way now each one of us can think back in recent history of how we have made a new decision based on updated information, how God, the Holy Spirit, has taken the teaching that we've heard and we have been, by the grace of God, have been able to act a little bit like brian's and we have been able to adjust in our position. Uh, you know, uh, we, we've been able to modify our opinion on a, on a particular topic, uh, whether mm-hmm. that was a, a big major topic like the applicability of, of all of the law for all of life, or, or maybe on uh, uh, marriage between men and women of different ethnicities, we've all had to. We many of us have undergone changes in these areas, or maybe we have embraced uh, immediatism in lieu of our former incrementalism. Uh, but it, it, but but it change is almost like. Watch, it's almost like watching a child grow. You can't see your children grow. But if you take a time lapse, a series of time lapse photographs, you can see, well, what do you know? They have grown. They're taller. They're, you know, their feet are bigger. They're, you know, uh, their fingers are longer. You know, they're, they're growing into a young man or a young woman. In the same way, change, sometimes, sometimes we can say, man, it, it happened in a, in a overnight, like when we were, uh, when we were regenerated, and we were brought from death to life, that was a sudden change. Other changes have been more more progressive and more uh and, and and only have only occurred after some prayer and study. other times we heard it, and it just made sense and think and you thought we thought, why didn't I see that before well that that is not whether whether the change whether that change is progressive or whether it was sudden. It's not as a result of our superior intellect. It is the work of the Holy Spirit using Amen. our intellect and using others and using His Word and using the revelation He's given to other, uh, uh, men who He's anointed to preach and teach. But, um, I don't know where I was going with this, but I was on a roll and I forgot where I was at. <laughs> like I said, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm making good time. Amen. Whoa.
2: I don't mind it. it I, I've actually got a, a story along those lines is that um, it wasn't up until about 2000, and I guess, when I moved into Alvin, which was what, 20, 2007, I guess, um, maybe 2008, uh, I'd never heard the word Arminianism or Calvinism or anything. I just knew there was Christian and non-Christian, and then the church that uh, my wife and I decided to visit when we moved down there was Russell Trawick's church. And they were in the middle of a transition from being a Southern Baptist church into being a Reformed Baptist. And um, it, when I stepped in, I'd never heard of this whole predestination thing, and I thought it was the most offensive thing I'd ever heard in my entire life. And so I was a, a, a school teacher down there in the Houston area, and so I had summers off, and so I sat down with Russell to help the elders. And we had some knock-down, drag-out arguments and I was arguing for Armenianism, even though I didn't know what it was. But I just knew that the Calvinism position couldn't be right. And I'd come home one day, talking to my wife, and I said, "You know what? I think one of their points is true. I can buy one of them." And over the course of about four or five days, I got I come home on that fifth day, and I'm like, I said, I don't have any more answers. I don't have any more arguments. I I I believe all five. And so that led me to one place because. Uh this is something that Shelby and I were talking about earlier today is like uh, the question that kind of drove almost all of my thinking into reconstruction and post-millennialism and everything else was, if God is sovereign, then what does that mean? Where does that lead me? Where does that lead reality? Where does that lead everything that we're doing here? And it can't lead anywhere other than victory. I mean, there is no defeat in those things. And so I like a lot of the mindsets that I had previously, they didn't work. Um, I, would,
1: I would say that Bonson would say
2: that Christian
1: Reconstruction is just the lordship of a sovereign God taken to its logical conclusion. Amen. Even an offensive army cannot always be on the attack. It must sometimes stop and erect fortifications so it may be able to hold the ground it's taken. And I was thinking of... uh You know, keeping your supply lines short, you know, where, you know, you've got to bring up supplies to keep your army in the field. And of course these are, these are really raw military analogies, probably taken from the War of Northern Aggression, because that's where I, that's where I spend most of my leisure mental daydreaming hours is uh, reliving that war with a different outcome. But anyway, the point is, is that we're always to be on the offensive. We're not a defensive army. Nevertheless, it doesn't mean that we're always uh, can always be taken, taken new ground. We have to consolidate. And similarly, no army would be considered effective, nor may it anticipate long-term viability, if it loses more of its own forces than it vanquishes of its oppressors. Cannot be uh, losing people because we we need to be uh, attracting people, not repelling people. And we love those men whom God has gifted. And with great minds and insights, we, we all feel richly blessed uh, for having set at their feet, so to speak. That, that's not to say that everybody has equal people skills. Sometimes there's times when we do a little bit of damage control, don't we, Shelby?
0: Oh, absolutely. And I, I'm going to draw off of a story that uh, I read a few years ago on Pierre uh, Array. It also exposed the character of William Farrell and John Calvin. Now, to be sort of brash, that's who William Farrell was. I mean, he just went out there and just said it like it was, maybe like a boat or go on But but and, and Calvin wasn't far behind William Farrell. But nonetheless, it didn't discount his very allegiance and love for the Lord. As a matter of fact, he challenged both Calvin and Pierre Verre, you know, in and, and saying, okay, if you don't want to do what I ask you to do, then I'll just turn you over to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go pray. And we'll see what the outcome is. And needless to say, if you've read the book, we all know the outcome. They both ended up doing exactly what William Farrell wanted to do. But my point being is that William Farrell and John Calvin were fairly brash in their in their presentations. And I can tell you the number of times alone, just in that one book, that they would call, both of them would call Pierre And for just putting in our own terminology. They'd say, hey, come build me out here. I've made a mess out of all this. I need you to straighten out, straighten this out, and give give it some kind of order, you know. And uh, I thought it was very interesting to see that it took all three, who were very good friends, along with Theodore Bateson and and they were very much uh, had the, the the prime objective of advancing God's kingdom. They just each one of them didn't have the same personalities, you know, and so they were all different in that manner, and they all are uh, great men of God that we turn and look to. No doubt, and in fact, I think that would be. A, I think it would probably
1: make an interesting uh, book if personal profile, personality profiles of great men of God, how they differed. I you mean, know, what what their personality types were, how God utilized their the, the way they were wired for the mission that He had fit them for, outfitted them
0: for. Bill, the, the, the one thing that as we talk today and as we even are talking now and are discussing the very aspect of this army that God has established over the years and we see that even in the, the 2,000 years since Christ walked the face of this earth, you know, the one thing that the Roman Empire could not do was kill out Christianity as much as they tried. And it was because of the, the, the sacrifice. And I'm not talking about just the martyrdom. I'm talking about the personal sacrifices that each one of them gave up. I mean, we can also go to the word and see, uh, that bitterness, what bitterness does, you know, I mean, if bitterness is found in us, many are going to be affected by that bitterness. You know, if that root of bitterness springs up in us. So we've got to be mindful of that same bitterness in our camp, in our own camp, towards one another. Because one of the things that we know that's going to... I mean, we know we've won the war. We know that uh, ultimately we win in the end, but we're in the present. And, yes, we think about the future, but we're teaching our future as well, and that's the ones that are coming up. And if they continue to see the bickering and the, the friendly fire and all these things, then it's no wonder that you you see from many stages, many different denominations, saying, we're losing our youngsters. They're all leaving the church on what they see, us. And the thing that is being exposed is that we do want and need to change. It's one thing to win
1: the argument, but if you've lost your brother in the process, you're not the winner. As soon as you are thinking in terms of us versus them, you're, you're in the wrong. It it does seem that some point me almost have to say, okay, let's just not have any more great biblical truths here for a couple days. We need some time to sort of, some time to sort of think, okay, where is everybody? Is everybody still here? Let's do a head count. Did we lose any, did we lose anybody on that, on that last, you know, maneuver there? You know, we,
2: uh, exactly.
1: Because because it seems like every time one of these new topics takes shape and gets presented to sort of the, our our unofficial group on Facebook, it's like we lose people. People say, yeah. "Well, you know, I was I was hanging with you up until that point, and when you and when you you know whether it be you know uh, you know elders or the necessity of membership in a local congregation, we're losing people along the way, and we cannot." Lose more than we pick up. I'm speaking humanly, of course, because this is God's show, not our show. We've got to stop every now and then and just kind of regroup. Do a ahead, count. Hey, do we lose anybody? Let's let's not leave any stragglers behind. If you have questions, let's let's get those questions answered before we take the next step. It sort of reminds me of that old saying that a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. We can't move any faster. Then the young and the weak and the injured are able to go. So we have to, God is sovereign and, we're, and He's doing what He's doing and, 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 and I don't want to overstate the importance of what we're about because we're a numerically almost minuscule, uh, group of people in the, in, within the body. We're not all that in a bag of chips. Um, no fighting force is organized and trained merely so that it can be the best organized and trained unit. It exists to answer the commands of its general, destroy its enemies, whatever else it may be doing well. If it is not doing that, it is a waste of resources. Now, that sort of sounds like a jab at the institutionalized church. We're, organ- we're The idea of the body of Christ is not just merely so we can be a spit and polished unit.
2: You know, you gotta so, to... go ahead. I mean, something I, I was just reminded of is, and this is actually it's from a an off the wall spot, but but with David and Bathsheba. Um, I mean, the, the the chapter starts off and says, you know, while while other kings and were out at war, I mean, there's there's a time for war, and you know, we what she said is absolutely true. I mean, we may have the best you know roundabout knowledge, we may we may have know everything we can know, but if If while everybody else is out fighting, maybe we're sitting back fighting the Facebook battle or we're, you know, not really getting out into it, you know, we're not fulfilling our purpose. And and it's very, we could easily fall into the same trap that David did and and each have our own Bathsheba that that pops up that, that, you know, really brings down everything that we're trying to do because we're not actually engaged in the fight.
1: Yeah, I I don't think there's any ribbons given for Facebook battles,
2: are there? I don't think there are. Uh, That's that's that's
0: true. But, you know, in like manner, it's a place that that, uh, we can both kill and heal. Uh, It's a place that people can uh, readily turn to and and see so many different areas of thought nowadays concerning the scriptures whereby before we'd have to go to libraries, get many different concordances and doing all these things with the Word of God. But there again, that's to get the subjective aspect of the Word of God. But there's still that objective, you know, the marching orders in which God has given us, you know, go you forth into all the nations, you know, baptizing them, the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And so like manner, it's, it's, it's the going out. You know, it, it is, I mean, they want to rail on abolitionists today for, uh, church repent. But what did, uh, John the Baptist come forth saying? You know that's what he was doing he was he was calling the people to repentance, and so I mean the very people i see, that I, see had, a mean, I see I see a mean coming <laughs> and the very people that, that that had the word of God did not recognize God and his purpose whenever he was right there in their midst so all I'm saying is that once again, you know we need to be attentive You know, that we don't, we're not like those Pharisees and Sadducees were. You know, whereby they, they did not recognize God in their midst. They didn't, matter of fact, they just continued to ostracize the few. And whenever in reality in today's day, we've grown a lot larger than those 12. And yet, you know, we, we're still, you know, taking the battle to each other whenever I believe the reason for that a lot of times is because of our inactivity outward to that world, to that lost neighbor, walking the neighborhoods. I don't know how many of our listeners have ever blitzed the neighborhood. Now, at one time, even your, you know, a lot of folks did that. They would say what they call blitzing the neighborhood. They'd go forth and talk to the various people in the community. We still do that. We've done that just uh, recently. As a matter of fact, we actually let some friends of ours that now have moved off to Dallas and we all got on a very rainy day on a Saturday and we went forth and was letting the neighborhoods know that this baby killer was in their midst. You know, and now did the police show up? Absolutely they did. But that's neither here nor there. We talked to them, they said, Are y'all soliciting anything? No, sir, we're not. We are actually just informing these people's neighbors of the murderer they have in their midst. And now that may sound hard and cruel, but there's other tactics that you can be used, but that was our tactic for that day, because we were in the neighborhood of the abortionist who was killing all the babies at Houston Women's Clinic. So thereby, there's other times to go out in the neighborhoods and just, you know, meet your neighbors. It used to be a common thing. It's not as common anymore. Matter of fact, uh, what's the difference in living in the country where you've got your folks scattered, you know, maybe five or six miles apart, but they come together and in times of need, when yet in today's day we're living five or six feet apart and don't even know who they are. So who are we as the church? What, what is that purpose? I thought it was to be the organism. You know, that organism, not necessarily an institution, but an organism, a very live organism that infiltrates. You know, that's a very live, because it's not about us. It's about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If it wasn't only about him, it's, it's, it's about him because if he's the one. He's the one that changed my heart. He's the one that has directed me all these years. He's the one that still gives me life today. He's the one that will put the words in our mouth of what to say when we're talking to these people, whether it comes forth through adversity or through friendship. But we've got to go out. We've got to continue to do some of those old things. Yes, we can meet a lot of people on Facebook. But if we meet a lot of people on Facebook and we don't have the community around us saturated with the very love of Christ, the very essence of the gospel, then we don't have to wonder why it is that our society is in the shape that it is.
1: Yeah, you know, um... I was thinking of an earlier post from some time ago, and this is not a this is not a thought that's unique, but it didn't originate with me. But the idea that the, the church ought not to resemble a cruise ship; it ought to resemble a warship. Amen. And uh, it occurred to me, and, and this is we're going to wrap this up while I, I'm about to lose my signal. Here up in the, up in the high desert. And I think I just might be. Did I just lose? Are you still there? I'm still here. Okay. I well, want we to read to wrap it up, uh, this war room episode, but we want to just use, hopefully y'all, this is just campfire talk. This is what warriors need to talk like around the campfire. This is what, mm. this is the type of conversations that need to take place in our local assemblies. Not sitting around and merely polishing our doctrine and 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 discussing fine points of superlapsarian versus infalapsarian or or things like that, but we need to be we need to be talking about war. We need to have a wartime footing. We need to be, um, you know, you know, be thinking about you know what we're about and and to be keeping being you know keeping uh, our swords girded on. And and and, mm-hmm. and 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 there's all sorts of language in Paul's epistles about um, about being in, in that of that mindset uh, that no man in active duty entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life in order that he may please the one who has enlisted him as a soldier.
0: Amen. Amen. And
1: so with that, uh, we just encourage you all. Not that we're not we're not the sharpest knives in the drawers, guys. Uh nope. you know, god, god God speaks to every one of you. You're all prophets and priests, uh mm-hmm. a, a, a part of a holy nation. We just hopefully that, that this type of discussion that we've had, uh, hopefully that would spur you on to yes. to strike up to strike up these kinds of conversations in your weekly fellowships, whether it be at home or in a in a five oh one C three religious dispensary or whatever it may be, uh, you know. Let's, let's be about what we're about and we've been called into active duty and let's not be distracted and let's not leave any men behind and let's Mm -hmm. not, Mm -hmm. and let's not take land that we can't hold. So let's consolidate, Mm -hmm. let's, let's minimize our losses. Let's recruit, uh, people to our, to our cause. And we don't do that by being caustic. We do it by being winsome and letting uh, you know, and, 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 uh, and, and, you know, and they'll know we're Christians by the, they'll know that we're disciples by our love for one another. And, uh, Amen. and, and let's always be on the alert and on the lookout for any, uh, root of bitterness springing up, which might cause trouble and defile many. And remember that if, if there's division, it, it's not of
0: God. Okay, and brother, so. That's right. uh, and I might add, Brother Bill, just uh, all of you that are listening and, uh, you know, take your, your children, your grandchildren. I mean, they're your future. Teach them what you know, but also teach them by your application of the Word of God. You know, so that means they're not too young to take them by the hand and as you're blessing these neighborhoods, as you're talking to these folks, as you're meeting them. It doesn't matter if it's in the stores, while you're shopping, ladies, or if it's uh at work or if it's uh at play, it doesn't matter. If we had more time I could go into constant uh just numerous times that the Holy Spirit moved. It doesn't matter where we're at, but we need to be ready just as first Peter uh three fifteen says, to give an answer to every man that's uh that asks us of the hope that lies. And you be safe out there now.
1: Well, you thank thank you, Brandon and, uh, and 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 Shelby for joining us tonight here, and thank all of y'all for listening to us here on the War Room.
0: Thank you for joining us in the War Room. Please enjoy the nation's rage, Psalm 2, by my soul among lions.